Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation? But not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app slash breadbox. Welcome to the Champions Podcast with your hosts, Mike Rubin and Coach Phil. The podcast where we share stories of faith being activated through sports. Welcome to the Champions Podcast. We are so glad to have you guys this week. We are so excited about the episode that we have. Uh, we have the privilege of being joined by former Kent State football player, Jaquise Terry. He's going to share his testimony with us. It's a phenomenal testimony, and he's going to share with us what he's involved with now. And he is actually the owner and founder of Empower University, which their goal is to inspire and encourage and invest in and mentor at-risk youth. And God is just doing phenomenal work through that ministry. And so we're going to hear some about that. But we're so excited for you guys who have joined our podcast today. If this is your first time listening to the Champions Podcast, our goal is to interview college and professional athletes and coaches and have them share their testimony, have them share their journey, have them share how God has transformed and impacted their lives. And what we encourage is at the end of the podcast, if you like what you heard, please rate, review, and share the podcast. Maybe there's somebody out there that part of Jaquise's testimony will really minister to. And maybe just them hearing this will allow them to see God in a new light. And, and maybe something that, that they hear from Jaquise's testimony will just give them hope. And it will meet them in a place where they're at. And so we encourage you to share it. We encourage you to rate and review it. Guys, I don't – claim to understand how Apple does their algorithm as to what podcasts get shown and stuff like that. But I know that ratings and reviews help. And this isn't in an effort to get the Champions podcast to be well known. That's not it at all. That's never our hope or our desire. And honestly, it's not even a desire to get our guests well known. Our hope and our desire is that these stories of transformation, which are powerful, will provide hope for people. They will give God glory. And maybe there's somebody out there that doesn't have a relationship with God that hears the testimony of an athlete or a coach 
and their life is so transformed by it that God meets them in that moment. At the end of the day, the Champions Podcast exists to honor and glorify God and to make his name famous. So I hope you like the podcast. And again, please rate and review it at the end. Welcome to the podcast, Jaquise Terry. How are you doing today, sir? Mike, I'm doing pretty good, man. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. We are so excited to have you join us. I'm so excited for listeners to hear what God is doing in your heart. Um, you know, we were we were connected through a mutual uh, contact in, in one of our former guests, Luke Wallet, and immediately when I said, Luke. Is there anybody else you could recommend for sharing their testimony? He did not hesitate. He's like, you have got to talk to Jaquees. And so I'm excited to hear it, and I know our listeners are going to be excited to hear it. Man, I'm excited as well, Mike. Man, um, when, you, when, you, when you first reached out to me and, and Luke was you know, in the conversation as well, you know, first of all, I just thank Luke, man, for you know, thinking of me um, when you asked for any suggestions or anybody to be on there. Then second of all, man, I just thank you for – just being obedient, man, and listening to what God was speaking on your heart. And for us to just be here at this point, man, it's, it's amazing, man. So I appreciate you as well, Mike. Absolutely, absolutely. And full disclosure to all of our listeners because, you know, as we were talking off the air, uh, we just talked about being transparent and being vulnerable. And I have to be transparent and vulnerable with our listeners because, um, you know, this was a podcast that we had scheduled to do a while ago. And there were different hiccups and there were different things that uh, began to present themselves. And, and I too quickly just said, oh, man, the enemy's trying to not have this happen. And and praise God, Jaques, that you are a man of the Lord who is not afraid to say the hard things and have those diff- potentially difficult conversations. And you just wrote to me one day, and you just spoke truth to me. And, and I think that's so important, and I'm so thankful for that, um, because sometimes hearing truth hurts, and sometimes it mm. stings. And, and But I think anywhere we are along on our spiritual journey— our desire is to grow cro- closer with the Lord, and we don't need to hear things that are going to pat us on the back and say how great of people we are. Sometimes we need to hear the truth, and sometimes the truth is going to sting, and that just comes part of growing in our relationship. And so I thank you for that. I hope our listeners hear that, and I hope it's encouraging to them. Maybe there's somebody in their life that, man, there is just truth that they know needs to be shared with them, but they've been afraid to say it because they're not sure how it's going to be received. And I just encourage that listener to share it in love, which is exactly how you did it. And once you share it in love, you're free. You are released from how it is received from that individual. You are not uh, you are not responsible if that person gets defensive. You are not responsible if that person gets an attitude. If you share it in love, your hands are, are clean. And so I just thank you for that, and uh, I, I hope I hope it encourages our listeners to do the same. Man, that's <laughs> that's amazing, Mike. Man, I, I wasn't expecting. I had to hear some hard truths. And I heard those hard truths by the word. You know, the word says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit and bone and marrow. So it exposing our inner intentions and thoughts. So it, it did that to me, you know, so it allowed me to be able to see the truth. And it stung, you know, it stung me, you know, exposing my inner thoughts and my inner intentions uh, definitely stung, man. And, um, you know, it allowed me to be vulnerable and open in so many of my relationships. Um, and so that's that's one uh, situation where I was just trying to be open and honest 
And um, like you said, I, I gave it out of love and um, and you received it out of love. And now we can continue to build our relationship off the foundation of love, man. So Amen. I appreciate you for that. Bro. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we are going to get into the good stuff right now. But before we do, are you OK if I open us up in prayer? Oh, no. Go ahead. Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord God, and uh, we are so thankful for this opportunity. I'm so thankful for Jaques and the testimony that you've given him. And God, we just pray that you are preparing the hearts of every single listener right now, that they will receive uh, what they are about to hear, Lord God. And I pray that there are bits and pieces of Jaquise's testimony that will resonate in the hearts of our listeners, that maybe they're walking through something right now where they just feel the weight of it, or they just feel hopeless, Lord God. And through the good work that you have done in Jaquise's life and your faithfulness that you've shown, uh, that it will provide hope for our listeners, Lord God, your word says in Matthew eighteen twenty one, for again, for again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. And Lord God, we are praying that you do what only you can do in this podcast, Lord God. And ultimately at the end of it, the only thing we hope and desire is that every single person that listens to this draws closer to you, Lord God, and we trust that you are going to put the ears in front of this that need to hear this, Lord God. And so thank you for this day, and we pray expectantly for only God's stories to come of this. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, so let's just start at the beginning, Jaquise. Was faith – growing up, was faith always a part of – your household? Um, I would say faith was always a part uh, of my household to a uh, certain extent. Um, you know, me growing up, um, I grew up in a single mother household. It was just my older brother and my mom. And, you know, at the beginning of my life, man, my mom, I can remember around like seven or eight years old, um, my mom started making me and my brother go to church. Um, and, you know, she would, you know, be working throughout the whole entire week, man. So she was, you know, kind of tired. And some days she would come to church. Some, some days she wouldn't. Um, but she always instilled in us uh, that God should be first. Um, even if we didn't know how to walk this thing out, even if she didn't necessarily walk it out in the way that it is intended to walk out, um, we always have faith um, surrounded in our family. Um, and I think as I got older, I start to realize um, and start to learn what this faith was all about. And um, so that's how I was at the beginning, man. But it was a process that started around when I was like seven years old. And it just continued on to now to where it's more understanding on what faith should be. Can you remember the moment when it went from my mom's making my brother and I go to church to where you were like, man, I enjoy coming to church. Like I feel fed or and maybe you couldn't articulate it at the time, but it was kind of this paradigm shift where it, you weren't being forced, but you actually enjoyed being there. Yeah. I, I remember, I remember it like it was uh yesterday, man. Uh, so my uncle, my uncle had a, uh, a series of health issues when I was 12 years old. And, um, you know, he, he ended up going into the ICU, um, hospital room and, they told, they called our family in one night and they told us, they said, Hey man, you might need to call all your family members in together because, um, you know, your, your family member, which is my uncle, he's not going to make it through the night. And so my uncle was one of my, 
um, I mean, we were far in age, but um, he was a close friend of mine because he was just so funny, man. He he always loved me, always took care of me. Um, and, you know, at times when my mom was at work or my aunts went around, if it was just me, him, and my brother, you know, he would always go to the store, grab us something to drink or something like that. And he was just always there. And, you know, I had seen a lot of death in my family at that time, even at an early age. And I didn't want him to be one of those. So I remember going back home, um, I balled up on the couch um, and I started to cry, man. And and I said my first real prayer, I remember at 12 years old. I, and I just prayed to God. I said, God, you know, please allow my, my uncle to make it through the night. And God showed up, man, and he answered my uncle from them telling them the night before that my uncle wasn't going to make it through the night. And then three days later, him coming out of the hospital, walking out of the hospital on his own. And, and, and that just stirred up my faith so much, man, that I was like, man, this God thing works. This faith thing works. If you, if you, if you seek him with all your heart or pray to him with all your heart, um, he will answer. And that stirred up my faith and it stirred up my, um, my motivation to go to church more. And I think that week later after that, man, I, um, I went up and gave my life to Christ. And then my brother who's seven years older than me, man, came right behind me. Like I was in a choir stand. Um, I went down and gave my life to Christ at 12 and that step that I took, my brother came down right after it. And then a week after that, man, we both were baptized. So that's, that's the crazy story of how faith man can get stirred up, how one prayer, can stir up your entire faith. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. And so how old were you at the time, 12, 13? Yeah, I was 12 years old. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So um, obviously sports have been a huge role in your life, and you know, you, you, you now are – uh, you've put your faith in the Lord and you know, you're, you're seeing God's faithfulness show up, and now you're into high school. And can you just kind of talk to us because a lot of our listeners are high school athletes or or college athletes, and how did you navigate this faith that you had with also this innate desire to be accepted and popular and fit in? I mean, how did you walk that line? See, it, it was tough. It was tough because, uh, like I was saying earlier, Mike, man, I I, I grew up in an environment that was um, – you know, no disrespect to um, everyone that I grew up with or around, but I didn't really have a spiritual um, mentor or spiritual person that I could look to and be like, man, they're actually walking this thing out. Yeah, everybody believed in God and everybody prayed, but I didn't have anybody that I can really look to and be like, man, this is the way that you really walk this faith thing out. And so I was still um, playing along the lines of being – you know, a, a Christian, but also, you know, I grew up in the, in the, in the, in the public housing and the project. So when I woke up and when I went to my grandmother's house and when I was around that environment, I was one way. And then I went to a Christian Methodist church. That was another way. And then also I went to high school at a Catholic school. So I was seeing all these different uh, parameters and all these different um, avenues and environments. And I was pretty much becoming a, uh, a chameleon in them. You know, I was adapting to my surroundings and adapted into the uh, school environments. And so it was tough. It was tough at times for me to, you know, put on this, this, this Christian walk while I'm growing up and, and, and hanging out with my buddies at the basketball court. Um, and, and so it was just, it was just tough, man. It was tough. But at the same time, I look back on my life and I look at the details that, 
that God was in my life and how he was covering me, even when I didn't even know it. Um, the favor that he was putting over my life, even when I didn't even know it. So if you are ignorant to the fact of how to walk this faith thing out because of uh, because you're not in position to, I, I think a lot of people uh, get frustrated because they're like, well, man, I don't I don't have this big uh, spiritual person to look to. Um, I think a lot of times God has so much grace for you and he has so many plans for you that he understands that. You don't have anybody to look to to walk this faith thing out. So what he's going to do is, whether it's high school or in college, he's going to put you in a position to where you have to know a true relationship with him. And that's when he starts to teach you and and go into your heart and start to uh, transform you from the inside out for you to understand how to walk this thing out. Mm, That is good. That is good. So you you mentioned that you grew up and your mom was a single parent. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that that is becoming you know that's a very there are that's a large percentage of our listeners sure. of people in our society. As you grew in your faith, without having an earthly father, was it hard for you to relate to God being this loving father? Like you hear for some people that grew up in a single family home that there's this disconnect. You know what I mean? Because they didn't have mm-hmm. that earthly father who served as that role model of this is what love is. This is what loving discipline looks like. And so was there ever that um, that tension of, of tr- having a difficult time understanding the 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 love that God you know God is love and that's what we read about all throughout the Bible was there heart was there ever a season where it was difficult to truly understand that in your heart or was it not because so early on in your walk God had shown His faithfulness through that prayer for your uncle man Mike I think you're in my head right now man because <laughs> <laughs> that's man that's a that's a great question man and it's crazy because I was uh, flying back from Tampa. Um, on Monday morning, and um, I met a guy, man, we were sitting in the front row, uh, flying southwest, man, and, and we just had to start having a conversation about God and about this this faith walk thing, and he expressed to me that he's 53 years old, and he was like, look, man, um, I grew up in a single mother household, and he said it was tough for me to see God, and even still at 53 years old, it's tough for him to see God as his father, and I'm just being open and vulnerable right now. That's something that I struggle with the most because I didn't have that earthly father because I don't know how to um, I didn't know how to accept that that earthly love or that love from my earthly father. I It's hard for me to be able to accept that 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 love from God at times because I look at him as a provider at times. I look at him as he's the source of my strength. He's the source of my prayers. Um, he's the, the beginning and the end, the all and the all. I look at him as that. But when it's time when it's time for me to look at God as my father, it's something that's very um, difficult for me because I don't know how to be a, a son to a father, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That's heavy. So it's something that I've been it's something that I've been, you know, battling with for 29 years, man. But that's something that I understand that is is something that I need to um, I need God to, to change in my life. So that's that's a constant prayer that I'm always praying um, because I really do want to see God as my um, as my father. And on the flip side of it, Mike, my mom, man, who was a very, very great mom, 
Um, but she was strict, man. My mom didn't play no games. And I thank her for that right now because I look at the situation that I grew up in. And if she wasn't the way that she was, I probably would be in a whole different situation. Mm. And me and you won't even be on the phone right yeah. now. But because she was strict and she was um, all about the discipline, that's how I started to see God at the beginning of this faith walk. I thought God was just a disciplinary. I thought he was just looking at me, you know, from up high and 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 being disappointed when, you know, I, I messed up or when I sinned. And yeah, he doesn't like the sin, but, you know, I have to understand that God is the fruits of the spirit. He's gentle. He's kind. He's love. He's peace. That is his character. And so I shouldn't be looking at him as this tyrant that's always looking at me and I'm doing things wrong. And I'm always feeling this condemnation. No, I should be looking at God as that loving parent, that parent that shows you gentleness and kindness. Yeah, he's going to put you on the right track and discipline you, but that's for your better. That is so good because I think that like you just hit on something that so many people struggle with. You know, and, and we've already said that there are a lot of people that do come from a single family background that, like you said, do have a difficult – I mean you spoke with somebody on an airplane who shared a similar thing. He struggles with seeing God as that father because there's just not been that context of how to be a son to a father. And and there's this um, – you, you know, we both work with young people. You know, you and I, we both work mm-hmm. with younger people, and, and I, you right. can just see it uh, there in, in, in for so many of them. There is just this feeling that God is holding this judgment cloud over them for what they've done yeah. in their past. And at any point in time, mm-hmm. he's going to strike. At any point in yeah. time, he's going to strike. And, and, you know, God's word says that he remember. you know, if we repent and repent is turning away, it's not just saying, God, I made a mistake. It's turning away from our sins, and and when from we do sins. that, God mm-hmm. God says He'll remember it no more, you know. But we we we, we beat ourselves up over it. We we when we mm-hmm. look in the mirror, that's our identity. That's who we label ourselves as, and God doesn't see that. And so, man, do you remember when that switch flipped for you, where where God did not become a God of judgment, but He was the uh, example of the fruits of the Spirit. He was love. That's something, man, that's, that's, that's a reality that hit me really in 2019, man. Um, you know, it's a lot of things that I pray for, man. And, 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 you know, one of my spiritual mentors, he tells me all the time, he's like, look, man, God is only going to do one thing at a time, man. He's not going, if I'm praying for 20 things, he's not just going to throw 20, 20 things that I'm praying for at one time. He's going to work on the things. It's just like a parent. Um, you know, when you're, when you're, when your kids come to you, Mike, and they, 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 they're, they're asking for, five different things you're going to give them the thing that they need to the most at that time you know if they're asking for food um and they're asking for a playstation game and then they're asking for a million dollars you're definitely going to give them food because that's the thing that they need at that time and so i always i i started to pray for these different things and i noticed that god was like look um, I'm going to be working on the things that you need the most. And this is what you need right now. This is what you need right now. You need to see me at a different light. You need to see me at a different angle. You need to see me for who I really am, not the person or the, 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 the God that you grew up thinking I was. And that really hit me in 2019. And, and just as Paul always says, man, I, I'm, I, I don't think I'll never arrive. You know, in this Christian world, we will never arrive at a point to where we're not learning and we're not able to uh, continue to spiritually grow. So 
at my and no no matter how long I've been walking this thing out six seven years deeply man there's still a lot of things from my childhood on this faith walk that I still have to unlearn man and get more spiritual wisdom on so that literally just happened last year well praise God for that praise God for that yes, and sir. you know I, I I think one thing that you've said repetitively uh, is you've talked about a mentor and you've talked about walking the spirit. You know, you had a season where you didn't have that spiritual mentor in your life. And I, I hope our listeners understand the, the walk is not meant to be done alone. We need people who come along the journey with us, who walk the journey, some who are further along that can teach us, that can guide us, that can speak truth into our lives, and some that, that you know, are just are all different parts of the path, you know, of the journey. But it's not meant to be done alone, and you need to find those people that you can be totally transparent with, that those places that you don't think anybody knows, you invite this person into it. And um, that's that's what mm. I keep hearing from you, just, you know, these, these just having that mentor that's able to speak, having that mentor that's able to speak. And so... That's awesome, and we, I want to get back to your journey through high school. And so okay. at what point did you realize, I have some athletic ability that might be able to – I might be able to you know, get a college education out of this? Oh, man. Uh, from the time I was five years old, uh, Mike, man, I, I played you know, three, four sports. And, and you know, from the time I was six, um, that next year, I really um, – myself personally – I knew I had um, a gift um, athletically. Um, I was always the smallest kid, um, but I had uh, a huge heart. Um, I had a work ethic. And uh, I, we joke about this all the time when I meet up with my family for like holidays and things of that nature. Like I literally, I wasn't a bad kid at all, man. I grew up in a rough environment, but I wasn't a bad kid. The only things that I used to get in trouble for was to go and sneaking off playing sports, man. I know my mom used to always tell me, like, man, don't go out and play on a basketball court when she's not at home or she's not at my grandmother's house. And as soon as she leaves, I used to literally run out the back door of my grandmother's house, man, and go straight to the basketball court. And when she comes in, and I kind of got my speed from that too because <laughs> when, she used to pass, when she used to pass by the basketball court, I used to see her car, and she had maybe about two more blocks to get to my grandmother's house before she noticed that I wasn't at home. So I used to see her pass by the court. I would literally get a rebound, man, and then I would take off running to my grandmother's house to beat my mom before she got there. So those are little situations that and, – and when I got there, man, it wasn't pretty when she found out I was at the basketball <laughs> court. So, <laughs> so those are situations, man, that I got in trouble for going to play sports. And sports became my identity, Mike. It became my identity. Like I said, again, I didn't have that father, you know, not to harp on that, but that is a big part of my life. Sports became my identity because that's where I seek my validation. That's where I, I went to to escape the realities that was going on in my life. My grandmother had a uh, massive stroke when I was five years old. It completely changed the entire uh, dynamics of our family. My mother and my aunt was in their early 30s, so they had to put their lives on hold to come take care of my mother, my grandmother. Uh, she was the rock of the family. She was the glue. She held everything together. I'm five years old. I don't understand seeing my grandmother one day fully healthy and being strong woman. And then the next week, you know, a double amputee with a trachea and a feeding tube and all these things that are going on. So wow. at that time, man, 
I, I use sports to just escape what was going on in my reality. You know, the people that I, I grew up around, man, the situations that they had to face, the tragedies, the murders, the different things that were going on around me, man. I went to that football field, that basketball court to escape that. And so I was the things that I needed the most from God, which was the love, the validation, the identity. I sought that in sports. And so that that followed me all the way up until high school. And the better and the better that I got. Remember, I told you I was the smallest kid around, but I hit a growth spurt in uh, my sophomore year of high school. And when I hit that growth spurt and when my body uh, caught up to my talent and caught up to my mind and my heart and my work ethic at my sophomore year, that's when I realized, man, I can really do something on the next level. That's awesome. Going back to that time where you were talking about your grandmother and you're talking about growing up with the murders and stuff like that, those are moments. Now, I understand that with your grandmother, she was you were five at the time, but those are you know with with all the other things of growing up in a difficult area. There's plenty of opportunities for anger towards God to be begin to develop in our heart to, for for seeds of. You know, God, if, if if you are real, why does this happen? Why why are you letting this happen? Did you ever enter into seasons where you felt that way? Um, the season that I felt that way, um, and I know we haven't talked about it uh uh yet, um, but the season that I felt that way was uh after football was over. Um I had questions when I was younger about the funerals and the deaths that I was you know, seeing around me and the situations about people. I had questions, but I wasn't as I wasn't knowledgeable of the word and knowledgeable of, of God's nature um, enough to ask the right questions. Only thing that I was asking is, God, why is this happening? You know, and, and I think even when you get deep into your walk, you know, that's the same question that you ask. But I think uh, when you ask those questions, sometimes he gives you revelation and uh, and about that situation. And sometimes, man, we never know the answer until you know, it's, it, we at the end. Um, so I always had that, that question, like, God, oh, why has this happened? Um, but I never fully had uh, necessarily anger for God until my early 20s. Okay. And we're going to head into that direction. And so uh, you end up choosing to attend Kent State University. Uh, what, what led into that decision? Man, I um, I was being recruited for uh, basketball and football. Um basketball um was the sport that i wanted to play uh for the rest of my life man it was my first love is still is man a sport that that i play um just about every day um and so i wanted to play uh, both sports in college and i was trying to seek out the university that was going to allow me to do that and i never found it um and a lot of schools in football were recruiting me for uh to play defensive back but I played running back my whole entire life, man. And, and uh, I remember, uh, you know, a coach giving me a call. He's like, hey, man, I'm from Kent State. And, you know, Coach McManus, who was a, a, a amazing coach, who was my running back coach at Kent State, he called me and was like, hey, man, I received your highlight tape. And uh, we don't necessarily even recruit in your area, but your highlight tape popped up on my desk, and we would like you to play running back. And that was the first school. Um, division one was always what I prayed for. I always prayed to play division one football. And um, Kent State offered me to uh, to come and play running back when everybody else wanted me to play defensive back. So I went in. I went to my visit, man, and 
I remember texting my mom while I was on my visit because I'm remind you I'm from Phoenix City, Alabama, a small town, and then I'm on, I'm in Ohio on this visit, and I'm just having such a great time, man. I texted her while I was there. I said, "Hey, this is it," and my mom <laughs> takes me back. She takes me back. She said, "No, it isn't." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> she was just, you know, she was just at that time, man. She wasn't ready to let me go uh, at that time, you know, because I had been home for 18 years, never went anywhere. So um, that's how it came about, man. And, and 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 our head coach, Coach Martin, and a few of the assistant coaches, they flew down and they met us in the uh, at my mom's house, and they they reassured her that you know they were going to focus on um, being me being a student athlete first, and um, and you know she had that that comfortability, and she was ready to let me go, and so I decided to Kent State, and and um, and that's what that's the rest is history. What was that moment like? You know, I, like, are, are you um, was going to college something that a lot of your aunts, uncles, cousins was that something that was kind of expected in the family? Like, okay, you're going to grow up, you're going to go to college. Are you one of the first ones to go? Um, I was. Um, so my aunt, um, one of my aunt, she was the first to graduate uh, with her bachelor's degree. She was the first in our family. Um, my brother went for a while, didn't didn't um, didn't get a chance to graduate. My mom went for like a semester or two, um, you know, and things came about. So I was literally the uh, second person in my entire family, my entire bloodline, uh, to go to to college. That's awesome. And now yeah. you're how many hours away from home? Um, when now, you're at Kent State, and, um, Baton Rouge. No, uh, I'm Kent sorry. State, when you're at man, Kent State. At Kent State, man, driving-wise, it was 10 hours, man, 10 hours away from home. So you're 10 hours away from home. You've never really yep. been away from home. And uh, yep. what is this experience like? Like Because we all know that, that college football is its own animal, man. That's like a full-time job. It's, you know, it is. anybody that knows the recruiting process knows that, man, when they're recruiting you, they tickle you behind the ears. They tell you all these nice things. But then once you get on campus, it's 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 a different story. Now there's expectations. Now, now you know, it's not those sweet conversations all the time, but it's it's a little uh, it's a little more intense. And so how was that transition was was, uh, you know, and now now there is is no uh, family around, and so your freedom to do whatever you want to mm-hmm. do to get entangled in the college. You're a football player, man. You got, yeah, you know, yeah. you got the, the 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 campus is your oyster. What, what was that transition yeah. like, man? And you 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 hit the nail on the on the head right there when you said that word freedom. And just speaking to all the college athletes out there right now um, that are going into their freshman year, or just college athletes, period, man. That is the one thing that you have to. Uh, look in the face that you have to understand like this can be a gift and this can be a curse that word freedom man and I think that was the thing for me that I had to understand my mother was always on me a lot man my my family you know although we may not come from um, a great environment or a, 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 a big wealthy family they were always there to support me that's one thing I never lacked I never lacked support um, and that's something that I always took with me, the values, the morals, the principles that my mother, my aunts, um, that, that people around me, my coaches that I grew up with, that they instilled in me. I took that to my freshman year at Kent State and I looked at that freedom in the, in the eye and I said, well, I can either go left, which is the wrong way, or I can take this freedom and use it to my advantage. 
And that's what I decided to do, man. I, I, I decided to take that freedom and use it to my advantage. And at that time, that's when I started to build my own relationship with God. I couldn't live on the faith uh, or the prayers of my mother, or my aunts and my families. I couldn't live on their own, their prayers and their faith. Like I always prayed, but I had to walk this relationship out with God on my own. I was 10 hours away. Um, I didn't know anybody. Um, it was my first time being away from home by myself. Um, I went from a graduation class of 30 and 40 students in high school, 150 kids in the entire school to a university with 35,000 students. So now I'm in a whole different arena, Mike. And now I really have to lean on God um, to be uh, my source and my foundation, because if I don't, I can easily get lost in everything that's going on on this campus. Did you find other people there that like, are there people that you can look back on and the man, that, that, that coach, that, that teammate, that classmate, man, they really helped be a North star for me. They really helped me through my walk. It was a fellow believer, somebody that, uh, you know, kind of kept you from headed in that direction. You know what, man, Mike, sometimes I, I think about um, people's faith and, and how different people are in their hearts. And sometimes I think people don't even know that they're leading you spiritually um, just by the way that they're acting. Like a uh, prime example, my, my running back coach, uh, Coach McManus, and, um, you know, a guy that's kind of like my big brother who's from the uh, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh area, who is a legend, man, uh, Eugene Jarvis. He was my one of my closest friends there, a big brother to me. He was a couple years older than me. Um, we never really talked about spirituality, but the way that they served, the way that their hearts were, um, the way that they treated me was a representation of, of God's love in a sense. And I say that to say that you may have people who aren't even believers in Christ or believers in God. And they may be able to show you a side of God that they don't even know they're showing you. And that's something that I learned. I never had anybody that was, you know, at Kent State that necessarily was like, hey, man, come to me. I'll lead you spiritually and guide you. Um, I had a uh, she was like our team mother up there, man. Very dear woman to me, Miss Dortch, Miss um, Miss uh, Blanche Dortch. Uh, we call her Mama D, man. And she reeled me in, man. And, and the love that she showed, not just me, but the players before me and the players that came after me and just my roommates, man, cooking for us, baking us the best cookies in Northeast Ohio, man. Uh, you know, just just being there for us. Like I said, those three examples, Mike, were people that necessarily didn't talk to me about my relationship with God on a daily basis. But the love that they showed me um, and the heart that they had was the best representation of God's love that I had at Kent State. Wow. Wow. Now, was there FCA or Athletes in Action at Kent State? Yeah, we had uh, FCA. Uh, Mr. Ted Schumacher, he was in FCA. But at that time, uh, uh, Mike, man, to be honest, I was, I was about football. Uh, I was about my schoolwork. And I was about girls man <laughs> so you know yeah yeah i wanted to be in fca yeah i was a person of faith uh but you know on thursdays you know i'd rather go out with the buddies to robin hood or you know just hang out with them yeah. and and things of that nature so it was there 
I didn't utilize it as much as I um, wanted to or should have. And so you go through and you have a very successful college career. And now you are in your senior year. Are you expecting to be drafted? Are you hearing that, hey, there's a chance? What's kind of the buzz that the coaches are telling you? Well, man, um, I ended up, um, I said, I talked about Eugene Jarvis and and Eugene Jarvis was one of the best running backs I ever seen in my life. And um, he ended up the year that I got there, he was all American and he was expected to leave the next year, um, my freshman year. And he had injuries and battled and battled with injuries, man. And I saw how God worked in his life um, by steering him in another direction. And so I was able to start two and a half years of my career with an All-American in front of me. And that was rare, you know. And and and, and to his uh, credit and to his integrity, that could have easily went sour with our relationship. You know, your younger brother or your younger protege being able to shine or have a have a breakout year in the expense of your injury and, and the expense of your dreams going down the drain, that w- that's when I knew that this guy was on a whole nother level um, as far as integrity, heart, and character. And so going into my junior year, man, I had put on like 20 pounds for my freshman year. I was playing wide receiver, running back, um, special teams. I was all over the place, man. And um, after my junior year, yes, I expected to be drafted, man. Um, I expected to be drafted. I didn't know what what, what position uh, or what round. Um, coming out of my junior year, because of the record that we had, I was thinking late sixth, seventh round, priority free agent, whatever the case may be. Uh, but um, that's, that was the talk that I started to uh, get, and I was ready for it, man. I was ready for my senior season, man. And so talk to us through that senior season. Obviously, you know, we now know how it ends, but um, draft day comes and and you didn't hear your name on draft day, correct? Correct. And um, my senior year was um, one of the most challenging and trying uh, years of my life, uh, Mike, and it actually uh, propelled the walk that I'm on right now. I go in as a team captain. We have a whole new coaching staff that came in from Ohio State. Uh, so the guys that I had been with my first three years at Kent State who know me, know my heart, my work ethic, my integrity, um, they know everything about me as a player, um, they were gone. So I'm going into my senior year and um, going into uh, spring practice, I messed up my shoulder. Uh, first major injury that I ever had, um, I had a sprained shoulder, but I really messed up my shoulder this time and I had to get surgery and, you know, I got the surgery after spring ball. And so now I lose like 15, 20 pounds. My body is changing. Um, I went through a little, uh, a season of depression, man. Like I'm a joyous kid my whole entire life. And so the pressures I had, this, I had this pressure that was, that was self-inflicted on me, man, that I had to, I had to make it to the NFL for my family. I had to make it for my friends back home. My, 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 the projects that I grew up in, I had to make it for my city. I had to make it for my high school. I had built up this pressure at a 20 year old kid and put it on myself that I had to make it. So at that point, going into my senior year, me losing 20 pounds, three months before the season, um, a couple months before, uh, 
summer workout started, like all these things are going into my head. So the pressure was weighing on me. And at that time, man, I didn't know how I was going to do it. And so I fought through that summer, man, with the help of, uh, you know, uh, God bless. Uh, he he passed, passed along. But our strength and conditioning coach, uh, Mr. Doug uh, Davis, man, um, he uh, he worked with me one-on-one, one-on-one, literally one-on-one, man, personally talking to me about the depression that I was facing uh, when nobody else knew, um, personally working on my, my, my strength, um, my conditioning, all this stuff. And I ended up gaining those, those 20 pounds back, man, and getting ready for the season. But one thing happened, man, at training camp, I injured that same shoulder again. Oh, no. And so I had to end up playing my first game of that season, my senior year, I played Alabama, man. So I went home, back home. My first time getting to play against Alabama, man. And we went, we went a month before that to, um, to help out with the tornadoes release us and uh, myself and three other team captains. And we helped build up a, a home and, and help uh, do a camp with the kids who had been devastated by the storm. And we came back a month later and played them. So I'm in front of 40, 50 family members and friends. Um, and I got a banged up shoulder and nobody knows it. So my play was affected the first six weeks of my senior year, man. And it showed, it showed, man. So I'm like, God, man, this is my senior year. This is the most pivotal year of my career, of my uh, college career, and this is what happens. Um, so it was tough. It was tough. And so I think that really played a part into my draft stock. I was able to ball out my last six games of my senior year because I got healthy. Um, I was contemplating quitting midseason, man. Nobody know that. Um, I was contemplating being a team captain, um, a two-time academic All-American, man, three-time all-MAC performer. I was contemplating quitting in the middle of my summer, uh, middle of my senior season. Wow. And, um, and I, I, I never did, man, because it was, it was so tough at that moment. But those are obstacles that I had to push through instead of go around. And that's what I did, man. And, and, and I ended up playing in the NFL PA All-Star game, which is one of the biggest uh, senior um, All-Star games right now. I played in the first one um, despite the senior season that I had. And um, I was able to get the approval and the uh, credit accreditation from uh, Priest Holmes, man, who was one of my idols growing up, one of the best running backs I ever seen growing up. And so um, I was able to play underneath him, and and I got a lot of uh, feedback from coaches. And I also got a call from a team that specifically promised me and told me that I would hear from them on draft day, and um, I never did, man. Oh. You know, you you made a comment a little while ago, and you said um, when that obstacle came, you ran right through it instead of going around it. You know, while many of us and many of our listeners may not ever make it to the Division I level, you know, they they may never see themselves as a potential draft pick in whatever sport they play in, the Bible promises us that we will face – uh, circumstances. We'll face tribulation. And it's so right. important in those moments that we don't run around that. There's no running around it. There's only one option, and that's to run through it. And the only way yeah. that you can do it is not by our strength and our strength alone. It's by the strength of God. You know, And so mm-hmm. I think it's so important because that moment was a physical moment for you. But mm-hmm. there it could was. be and will be moments down the road that aren't physical – they might be something up. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's a relationship right. issue. But 
that moment that you had to draw back on where you didn't run around that time. You ran right through it. You saw God bring you out the other end. Man, that gives you the ability to do it again the next time. God, you took me through it one time. I know you'll take me through it this time. And so I want our listeners to hear that because, you know, you've shared earlier, and and we'll get to a point here where we'll kind of put a a, a bow on that, but you you shared earlier about your identity being found in Christ or in sports, your identity being found in sports, and that's common. You know what I mean? And we Mm -hmm. see that in professional athletes. You know, when when, when that time comes and nobody nobody beats father time, you know, when that time comes – for that athlete to hang up his cleats and now the adulation's not coming. Now the, the, the requests aren't coming. The, the, the phone calls are happening a lot less and the attention's a lot less. It, it's well, who, who, who am I now? Who am I now? And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, so we'll get to that point where, you know, you, you begin to talk about your identity transitioning from being what you did to, to whose you are. Um, but mm. I just think it's so important because so everybody's going to face that moment. Everybody's going to face right. that moment. And so that team that promised you, they didn't call. And so I'm sure that's a whole nother set of emotions. But there was a team that did call. Correct. So talk about that a little yep. bit. Uh, so um, I think it was a day or so after uh, after draft day. Um, I got a call from my agent saying that um, the Detroit Lions were interested in bringing me in, man, to uh, – come to rookie mini camp. And, uh, that's what happened, man. I went out to uh rookie mini camp, um, performed my butt off, man, performed my butt off Mike. And at that time, man, uh, the running back coach, he was calling me into the film room. Um, he, he saw that I picked up on the playbook in like a day. Um, so he was asking me to run slot receiver, um, you know, to do running back and all these things that is nature just showing me favor, man. And, um, and right after that, man, at the end of that rookie minicamp, I'm expecting to be signed to this 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 two year one year deal, man, to be able to continue my my time with the Detroit Lions, man. And um, got a call in and and into the office, and he said, "Look, man, like this is a numbers game." And that's the first time that I really understood the uh, politics of the NFL. Um, when somebody as a coach in an organization comes to you and tell you. I want you here. I need you here, but it's not up to me. Um, I kind of learned that a little bit in college, my senior year, where I had a coach tell me, look, man, I want to uh, have you on the field more. Um, I want to play you more, but it's not up to me. Um, I heard that one time before, didn't really understand it at that time. I thought that the best players play or the guys with the most talent and best work ethic play. And when I got to uh, a year or so later to Detroit, where I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing people coming up to me and they're like, man, you, you perform better than the draft picks that we had this year at this rookie minicamp. Um, guys coming to me telling me that you perform better than I did. And, and when they found out that they're no longer keeping you and they're keeping them, you know, that's when I realized, like, man, um, this is very uh, political. And maybe I need to uh, rethink on if I want to be in this environment or not, because I'm just a naive kid that works hard, that prays a lot, um, that, that, that has a heart and the intentions to change the world with this platform that I have. But if I have to deal with this, um, I don't know if I want to be, be a part of this. 
And so that's when it first hit me, the, the political side of the NFL. And when he told me that, hey, man, it's a, it's a numbers game and we got too many running backs. It's not about, you know, necessarily your talent or your gifts or your work ethic. It's just the fact that we don't have room for you. Uh, that really devastated me, Mike. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, that – you know, and and real, I just want to take one step back because I don't. I I feel like we glossed over this, and this is so important because you know you mentioned in in college the pressure that you had put on yourself. You know, you needed to mm-hmm. you needed to get to a certain level, not just for yourself, for your family, for the people back home, mm-hmm. for your city. I I the best I ever got to was Division Two baseball, right? So I I, mm-hmm. I knew my limitation. I knew that was the end of the road. There were no aspirations for a guy that throws 82 miles an hour, you know, uh, to play <laughs> professional baseball. So I knew where the road ended. But the reality is, is that I would imagine that that pressure is very common amongst Division One athletes. That that pressure, man, I, I, my, my family's dependent on this. Like, if I screw up, I, it's not just me I'm hurting. You know, and, and the depression that you spoke of, we hear it from so many athletes that that's real. That is real. And praise God, there was a man, your strength and conditioning coach, did you say Mr. Doug? Yeah, Doug Davis, yep. I mean, praise God, there was a man that saw a student athlete hurting and took the time to just one-on-one help him navigate through that. You know, I, I, my encouragement to just anybody that's listening, if you find their, yourself in that situation where you're like, I can one, that's the part of the testimony I can relate to. I feel the weight of the world to succeed mm-hmm. on my shoulders, not for myself, but for everyone else. And you just find yourself in, in a place where, man, it, it's, it's becoming something that's causing you to be depressed. Find somebody mm-hmm. to talk to. Find somebody because they're out there. They're out there. And again, it's not meant to be done alone. And and this story could have been totally different if Coach Doug's not there. You know what I mean? Like if he doesn't help you navigate through that. And so, man, that's that's so important. And uh, what a what a great example of a man that cares. It is. You know, it is, Mike. And and, and I was speaking to um, a group of young men um, yesterday morning. And I, I, they asked kind of a question similar to what you asked. And I told them, I said, look, there are two, two types of people in this world, man. There are some selfish people who want to gain fame or notoriety or a platform for themselves. And I said, there are selfless people who want to accomplish the same things that this selfish person wants to, but they're doing it for other people. They want to give back so much. Their heart is so big that they want to accomplish a lot of things and be put in a position to give and to give with generosity all the days of their lives, man. And I told them that's what, that was me. I wanted to accomplish the same thing that a selfish person wanted to, but I wanted to do it so I could impact so many people's lives. Literally, man, I know it's a cliche, change the world, Mike. Yeah. And I think, you know, the pressure, the pressure was self-inflicted because my mom never came to me and told me, I need you to make it to the NFL to support us. My friends never came to me and told me, hey, man, we need you to make it to the NFL so you can bless us um, on our journey. Like nobody ever came to me and told me that. But I looked at the environment. I looked at how my heart was and I looked how much I wanted to change the world. And I knew I knew as a young black man growing up in the environment that I grew up in, the only thing that we actually saw that was successful was athletes. And so I knew 
I wanted that platform to give back to so many people. And when that situation seemed like it was going to be impossible at one point, that's when the weight of the world came upon me. And it's so interesting because you knew your heart. You knew your motives. So in that moment, you're like, God, wh- why wouldn't you open the doors and open the paths? You know I'm going to use this increase. You know how I'm using the platform you've given me now. You know how I'll use that increased platform. So it's almost like, God, I'm going to do this for you. So open the doors and make it happen. And that does it. <laughs> but you see all these other people and you know their motives. Their motives the paycheck. Their motives is they don't even love the game, man. Yes, you know, sir. And, yes, and it's sir. just, whew. That is a that's a tough place. Man, that's 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 my life. That was my life story for twenty three twenty three years of my life, right there. What you just said that that ten fifteen seconds um, spiel that you just said right there, Mike. Man, perfect, man, perfect. That's exactly how I felt, man. Exactly. And, and I I think one of the great things about Coach Doug is Coach Doug never knew that you would have the platform that you have today, not just on this podcast, obviously, but you go around and you impact and you speak to a lot of youth and, and, you know, you're essentially being coach Doug to a lot of different people. Um, or Mm. I say do what doing what coach Doug did for you for a lot of different people. He didn't do it because, you know, he knew you'd talk about him. He did it because that was his character. And odds are, if he did this for you, there's a ton of other athletes that he probably did the same thing for that nobody knows about. But it's just what he did behind closed doors. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just think You're that right. talks about the integrity of a man, you know, yeah, and, or a does. woman, or a woman, but the integrity of a human being, you know. Um, Correct. So, okay, so it doesn't work out with the Saints, but then the CFL comes calling. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So after um, Detroit, I actually had a workout with um, with the Green Bay Packers, the best workout of my life, man. And it was between myself and Cedric Benson and, um, you know, God rest his soul as well. Um, You know, it was between us two, man. I found out it was between us two. And he was a a six, seven year vet at that time. And I was one hundred and ninety six pounds and couldn't run between the tackles uh, in their idea. Um, but they told me, man, it was one of the best workouts we ever seen for somebody coming off the street. And so they decided to go with uh, Cedric Benson. And so I had a workout with the CFL, man. And, um, you know, long story short, um, I ended up finding out that British Columbia uh, owned my rights in Canada. So I guess they had watched me in college and, you know, a short stint uh, with the uh, undrafted situation in uh, Detroit and, and other things. So they, they own your rights means that they look at you as a player that if you ever come to Canada, um, that they own your rights, you have to come to their team. And so I, I learned that out. Um, I told my agent, they negotiated a contract and, um, I signed a two year deal to go to Canada. Um, so I moved out to, um, California, San Diego, California, February of, uh, 2013 to train for three months until I go to a uh, training camp in May in uh, in Vancouver. That's awesome. And how was the CFL? What was that experience like? Um, another obstacle, man. Another obstacle. So this is what happened. Um, you know, I took the advice from Green Bay. They told me uh, they wanted me to, you know, put on weight. Um, and so that's what I did, man. I went to, uh, I was 196 pounds at that time. When I moved out to Cali in February, I worked out three times a day, Mike. I worked. This was it was my routine, man. I would train in the morning. I would go to the beach, pray and meditate, 
Um, I would go take a nap, eat, go do the same thing, go work out, go to the beach, pray and meditate, go home, take a nap, go to the beach, uh, go work out, go to the beach, pray and meditate. I did that for three months straight. I put on 15 pounds of muscle, the heaviest that I had ever been. Um, I worked my butt off, man. I, I used the, the, the resources of the beach, the sand, like I really went at it, man, and worked my butt off. And, and this is where it really turned for me, man. I, um, it was a week before it was time for me to go to uh, British Columbia. I have started packing my stuff up, man, getting ready, starting to look for places to live out there, things of that nature. And I was driving um, from a workout one day and I just felt, I just felt heavy, Mike. I just felt heavy, man. It just felt like something wasn't right. And I literally, I kid you not, man, I, I opened up my phone and I just went to my emails and I checked my emails, man. And the first email that I, I saw, and I still have a screenshot of it uh, just, just to uh, look at it because it was, a, it was a turning point in my life. And the screenshot said this, man. It said, uh, Dear Jacquees Terry, we uh, regret to inform you that we will not be bringing you to the 2013 British Columbia uh, training camp. Um, British Columbia Lions training camp um, due to the fact that in Canada, you can't have, uh, you have, you can only have a certain amount of American guys, imports is what they call them. You can only have a certain amount of imports on the team. And I guess they had over signed too many imports. And so the couple of last guys that they signed um, were some of the first ones that they cut and terminated their contract. So they sent me an email a week before it was time for me to come up there that they were no longer bringing me there. And by tomorrow I would be a free agent. Wow. And man, that crushed me. That crushed me, Mike. It crushed me, man. It crushed me because it wasn't, it wasn't because my work ethic, like I used to work out with San Diego chargers players out there. And those guys, you'd be like, man, how are you not playing right now? You know? And how are you not in the league? And, and it was, it was frustrating. He said, it was like, God, man, like, People are telling me this. I'm getting, I'm getting validation and, 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 and getting credit from guys who have played in this league uh, for years. Um, you know, my heart, my intentions, my motives. Why me? Why me at this time? You know, and, and, I, and, I, and I have to go back. Can I, if I can go back a little bit, Mom. Yeah, Mike, yeah, yeah. I receive, a, I, re, I receive a prophecy over my life a week before it was time for me to go to uh, Kent State. And it was this guy, I never met him, man. Um, you know, uh, never met him before. He had two people stand up in church and he prophesied over their lives. And I'm seeing them crying, man. These are older women. And I'm like, man, what is this? This, this don't seem right. I've never seen prophesying before. And it's crazy. He said, and to the young man that's going to uh, Kent State, stand up. And so, because um, they had announced it earlier. So I stood up and he prophesied over my life and told me that my dreams were going to come true. He had other things that he talked about um, you know, and other things that I have seen come to pass in my life already. But at that time, he told me my dream was going to come true. And my dream was to play NFL football. So I was like, God, you gave me this prophecy in front of my mom, in front of the entire church. Yeah. Um, you, you came to me with that. I didn't go seeking that. I didn't go asking you for that. You came to me with that. And then now my dreams are right here in my hands. And you snatch him away, not because I went and did drugs or alcohol, not because I wasn't working hard, because I was working harder than anybody that I knew. And, 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 and it was a realization that, man, maybe this is not what God meant by my dream. 
maybe it's my dream to play football, but maybe that's not the dream that he has for me. And that's where it was the turning point in my life. Wow. That's, that's, I mean, how long did it take to kind of get through that? Man, it was tough, man. That was the biggest, um, you know, like I said, man, I, I don't, I don't like to throw this word around loosely because it's, it's something that people battle across this country, across this world. Um, and it's not to be taken lightly, but when you have pressures like that, when you don't know what to do or where to turn, man, I felt like my whole entire life was a lie at that moment. Mm. Um, I felt like the prayers that I had prayed, I felt like I was, I was definitely upset with God. Um, it was because it was like, it was an inner thing. It was an inner me. Like, God, you knew the inner intentions. You knew everything that I wanted to do. Why wouldn't you give me this? Like you said, Mike, I know people who are in this position that don't even want to play football. They just doing it to get money and get girls and buy cars and clothes. And here is somebody who has the character, the work ethic, the leadership ability to change this entire arena around. And you're not allowing them to be put in that position. Why, God? Yeah. And it took me, man, it, 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 was a, it was a very dark time for me, man. Very dark time that nobody necessarily knew. Um, and I didn't have anybody to really necessarily help me through it. That's what propelled my relationship with God, the intimacy, because I knew that if I didn't get closer to God, that I didn't know where I would be in that moment. And let's fast forward to today, because obviously God had other plans for you, like you said. He had other plans. He had Correct. another calling on your heart. He was going to use all of those things that you had gone through. And uh, today, you're kind of a uh, – you have a very unique job, which, which you know, air traffic controller, which I always thought was cool. I, I just watched uh, a Dude Perfect video where they were air traffic controlmen on a uh, on a fighter, like a, a naval ship. Um, but, you know – you're an air traffic controller, which has to be pretty cool, but you are also the founder of Empower University, which is a nonprofit group that I would just love for you to just kind of – can you just talk more about it and what's the vision behind it? What are you guys doing? What's the impact? Yeah, so um, like you said, man, to fast forward through everything, um, so I did end up, like I said, I was able to touch professional football, um, being undrafted. Um the CSL, but I also was able to um, play semi-pro basketball, which was a dream of mine out in San Diego with the San Diego Kings, an amazing organization. Um, I also was able to get my master's as well. So I was playing, I was, I was uh, managing five or six locations in downtown San Diego near that area. I was getting my master's degree in business administration, and I was playing pro basketball all at the same time. Now- now, all the while, all, yeah. Go ahead. Hold, go ahead. hold on, because I, 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 we, we need to talk about this for a second. Okay. You weren't yeah. a college basketball player. You were a college football no, player. So how long had it player. been since you played basketball? And did you know all along, like, ah, oh, well, football doesn't make it. I, I, I got enough game on the court that I can pursue this basketball career. This, that's not a common endeavor. Yeah, so Mike, man, it's, it's, it's crazy how you look back in your life and you understand that God was in the details and he heard every prayer. 
I remember when I was a kid, I used to pray like, God, you know, allow me to play pro basketball or pro football, you know, saying to just bless my family and, and things of that nature. And after football, I never even imagined playing pro basketball. What I did was I knew I loved basketball and I was still good at it and it's still athletic enough. And so I would play at 24-hour fitnesses out there in San Diego, but I also played in, in different uh, men's league. And, man, um, you know, in, in all humbleness, I was kind of dominating the leagues out there. And so uh, <laughs> a, guy, a, guy, a guy approached me, man. I think he had a team in the league, and um, uh, his name Abraham Muhazi, man. He's also the, uh, the, 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 the owner, one of the co-owners of the San Diego Kings. He, at this time, he was just had a, a, a basketball league on Sundays. And so I would go play there after church, man. And um, he approached me one day because I played his team and kind of, uh, you know, if he hears this, man, you know, I kind of did him in a little bit. And so uh, <laughs> he approached me. And he was like, hey, man, I'm going to be uh, having a uh, I'm going to start a, a, a ABA, a pro league, man, a pro uh, team in the fall. And I would like you to play. And, you know, I was like, well, yeah, man, just let me know. And, you know, a lot of times out there in San Diego, man, in California, you meet people and they say one thing and then they do another. So I was like, you know, I'll, I'll see if this come about, man. And, man, he was a man of his word. He's actually one of my good friends right now, one of my great friends, one of the best people I ever met. But he reached out to me and told me, he said, look, man, we got the tryouts here. And I think it was like 100 people showed up for the tryouts. I mean, amazing talent, man amazing talent but mike these are guys who me at this time i'm a, I'm a full-time worker and full-time student um these guys play basketball every single day like they played overseas they played with the globe trotters wow. they play um things of this nature they play every single day all day so i'm going <laughs> up against these guys and man um you know with the grace of god man that just speaks to how he's blessed me so much in my life um i was able to make it to the uh the final 12, man, and also uh, to be able to be pretty much the catalyst, one of the leaders, um, the leaders on that team spiritually, um, uh, work ethic-wise, and just to be a pivotal part of the first season. I think it's like 100 teams in the ABA, um, and we were able to make it to uh, the Elite Eight in uh, Austin, Texas, man, in the first year that we played. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. I didn't want to interrupt your story, but I, I did think it was – I wanted our listeners to make sure they caught that, that, that he wasn't yeah. only a professional football player, but he was also a professional basketball player. And most of us yep. can't be a professional any sport. So uh, Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> and so how, how that led to Empire University, um, I look at my life. Um, I look at my life, Mike, and everything that we are talking about uh, this entire time. I came from a, a, a rough environment. I came from a single mother household. Um, sports was my identity. Um, I played pro football, basketball. Um, I was a air, I, I, I got my college degree. I got two degrees. Um, I'm an air traffic controller, and I have a nonprofit organization. I'm 29 years old right now. Um, coming from where I come from, to do at least one of those things is a miracle. It's a blessing. It's, a, it's, it's favor. But to be able to do all those things, I looked at it and I was like, God, why did you allow me to touch these different avenues in life? And he was, he was like, because I was preparing you for Empower University. I was, in, I was preparing you for what I have you. So when I meet kids, when I meet the youth of this world and, 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 and in this environment that I'm around, Mike, they want to play pro football. They want to play pro basketball. 
They want to go to college. They came from single mother backgrounds. They come from tough environments. So they have somebody who has walked this thing out beforehand, before them, that has a heart to give back, that has visions that God has simply planted inside of me to change this entire world. And so they come in contact with myself. And now, because of the things that I've went through in my life experiences, God has equipped me to be able to lead them down the right road. And so that was the basis and the foundation of Empower University. Um, and that, along with my friends that have that share the same passion and heart that I have, we decided, man, because in my, in my master's program, I wrote out at a, a, a youth academy um, as my business plan. And so I sat on it for a year or two. Um, I became an air traffic controller and never really thought about doing anything uh, with that business plan, but it was still my dream. And um, one of my friends, man, BJ, man, he, he came to me one day, I was in Atlanta. He was like, hey man, we want to, we want to start this nonprofit thing. We want to go forward with it. And um, at that time, man, um, I, the next week I started the process. And then that was in uh, last year, 2019 in May. And what we have done um, in the last eight months, man, has been impeccable. Uh, from the mentorship programs, from the events, um, Little Marcus Weekend. My best friend passed away when I was 19, when I was at Kent State University. Um, so we put a, a weekend together to honor his name and to bring awareness to diabetes, which he battled with his whole life. Um, we had a back-to-school bash in four different cities at one, in one day. Wow. So we did Baton Rouge, we did Dallas, we did uh, Charlotte, and we did Atlanta as well. And then also, man, we had uh, the most recent event was a wish miss to remember. Uh, we went back home um, to Phoenix City, uh, Alabama, Columbus, even up in uh, closer to Atlanta as well. And we blessed six families with Christmas, man. Um, these are single mothers of uh, four, single mothers of 17, uh, single mothers that have faced tragedy, a grandmother who has taken care of her two grandkids because of uh, she lost her daughter to violence. Um, things of this nature, man. So we went home and blessed them with Christmas. So these are a lot of things that we do for the youth back home in our communities as far as events. But our basis and our foundation is mentorship. And what we like to do, we want to be a organization that blesses a kid and feed them in every area of their lives. So when they come to Empire University, they're going to be blessed physically. We're going to use the expertise and the knowledge that we have in sports to um, train them in whatever sport they want to be trained. Um, we're going to allow them to understand financial literacy, to be able to be equipped to live this life um, independently. Um, we're going to bless them um, uh, personal. We're going to uh, develop their personal development so they know their self-worth. They're going to know their identity. Um, uh, their identity is not in this world, but their identity is in Christ. Their identity is in being a child of God. And then spiritually, they're going to be fed as well. Um, we're going to, like I said, again, let them know where their identity is. Um, their identity is not in the sport or in the goal that they're trying to reach, but their identity is that they are co-heirs with Christ. So it doesn't matter what background they came from, poverty, rich background, wealthy background, white, black, whatever it is. If you're, It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It only matters that you are a co-heir with Christ, and that is your identity. Amen. So when you understand that that's your identity, there is nothing that a mere human being can tell you or can do to you 
to stop the favor of God for being on your life because he has said it in his word and he will continue to do for you um, through the rest of your life. And so that's what Empire University is all about, man. And that's what we stand for. And that's how that all came about. That's absolutely awesome. And I, I, I'm, I'm sure the the lives that, you know, the, the one of the great things about something like this is that it's the ripple effect, right? And so, yes, you're mentoring these individuals, these young men, these young women, and you're having this impact on them. Um, but it's also the people it, – it ripples past them, right? So then their parents are affected by the change in their behavior, the change in their attitude, the change in their – their friends are affected. And so it's, it's one of those things where you never truly know the full effect of the impact you're having on this one individual. And you know, you just look at people that have truly impacted the world. You look at a Billy Graham. You know, Somebody yeah. at one point in time impacted Billy Graham. Somebody at one point in time showed the love of Christ so much that Billy Graham felt compelled to say, man, I, I, I want to put my faith in the Lord. And that person at the time had no idea Billy Graham would go on to be as uh, catalytic as he was and, and, and you know have the impact that he had. So you never know who the future – what the future holds for these – young individuals that you're investing in. I mean, maybe one's a business leader. Maybe one's, you know, a, a, a future president of a Fortune 500 company. You know what I mean? And so yeah. the impact right. you have on them today in turn will direct how they treat other people. And so I just think that's so awesome. Because you have different campuses and you have different locations, if somebody's listening to this and they'd like to get more information on Empower University, where can they go? Um, they can go to um, Empower University, www.empoweruniversity, uh, and university is spelled Y-O-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y. So www.empoweruniversity.net. You can go on our website, man. You can see all the things that we have been doing. Um, like I said, man, we've only been a nonprofit organization for eight months now. And when you look at it, you can be like, man, this is years and years of work. Um, and this is just a testament of how God has really take, uh, taken us um, as being willing vessels. And when you just walk out on faith and just lead, man, um, he can do amazing things that you don't even actually feel in that moment that are that are being uh, fruitful. So um, that's what you can check us out. Um, university um, underscore E-N-T on um, on um, Instagram. You can check that out. University Enterprises on uh facebook and then um yeah man that's everything that we have and it has the programs on there it has everything that we offer uh we're going to be doing a lot of updates to our website um this month and next month this year um and we're going to be uh, very interactive on social media as well so uh that's what you can find about everything empire university um dot net awesome well we appreciate you sharing that and um uh, Jacquees, your testimony is fantastic. I mean, it's it doesn't feel fantastic when we go through it at times because we don't know that yeah, you know yeah, how exactly. God's going to use it. <laughs> um, but to see what you went through, how God, as He always does, shows His faithfulness, and to see how God is using you now, it's it's absolutely incredible. And we're excited to hear the only God stories that come from it. And so, I truly thank you for sharing that with us today. No problem, man. I appreciate appreciate you. Appreciate your heart for 
FCA, man, and, and even, you know, offline, you sharing to me about your faith journey and, and how you've walked this thing out and, and took an um, leap of faith, but also you took risk for the kingdom, man. And that's something that every um, biblical hero that we look up to, that's what they did. They took risk of faith. They didn't know what the things were. Um, they didn't, they didn't, they know the big picture, um, but the pieces of the puzzle didn't really fit at times. Um, and so, but you still went out on faith and you still walked and took a risk for the kingdom. And that's why we're able to, that's how I'm able to even have a platform to talk, to have my testimony uh, broadcast, man. So I, I commend you, brother. I, I commend appreciate you. that. I appreciate that. God yeah. is good. God yeah. is good. And Happy now we're going to transition into one of my favorite segments. It's where my eight-year-old son comes on, and he asks a hard-hitting question that all of America wants to know. Jacquees, are you ready for this? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, man. I, I think so, man. I don't think I have a choice. <laughs> no, I don't think you do either. All righty. Bring him into the hot stove. Hi, Mr. Jacquees. <laughs> What's going on, man? How you doing? Good. Good. You going to take it easy on me? I don't know. Uh, but i'm ready i'm ready for whatever you got how i mean have you ever dunked before have i ever dunked before yeah oh yes man i um matter of fact last week i dunked a basketball man oh why yeah 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 i dunked the basketball man i think i'm i think i'm getting better with age i think i'm getting better with age man that's good that's good. <laughs> All right. Well, okay, you... man. Thank you. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. Yep. So Eli right now <laughs> is he's four four and a half. Okay. And okay. He is actively trying to dunk as often as possible, and so as possible. Well, man, I, I encourage Eli, man. Keep keep at it. I remember my first dunk. Um, it was my it was towards the end of my freshman year in in high school. And I kid you not, I had to be at least five eight ish, five wow. eight ish, five nine. Yeah, wow. um, like I said, I mean, so keep at it, keep at it, Eli, man, because you're gonna get it. And, and it was, it just came from me. First of all, just trying to get the net, you know. And once I got the net, I was hanging on the netting and then grabbing the rim and just visualizing myself, you know, actually jumping up there and then grabbing the rim. Then I was slapping the backboard. And after I knew I could slap the backboard, you know, higher than the little foam pad that they had at the bottom, then I started going for the rim. I was grazing it at one point, and I just kept practicing, kept practicing. And then after a while, man, um, I couldn't palm the basketball, so I had to have somebody throw me an alley-oop. And uh, they threw it perfectly, and, and, and everything aligned one day, my freshman year in high school, and I had my first dunk, man. That's great. Now the question yep. is, can you still dunk? Yep. I definitely, definitely can, man. Oh, uh, like I, said, awesome. I just had, I had my first, I had, not my first, I had a, I dunked last week, man, at uh, LA Fitness here playing basketball, man. Um, after one of the pickup games, we just, you know, sometimes, man, we just throw, throw the ball up and see, you know, can we still dunk it? And yeah, I'm, I'm still getting up there, man. That's I'm actually awesome. more athletic than I ever have in my life, man, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yep. Well, I have, I saw some video of you, and that's saying something, man, because, they don't call yeah. uh, you know for our listeners that don't know his nickname is Speedy, and they don't Speedy. call him Speedy yeah. <laughs> for nothing. I saw some video of you doing some ladder drill, and I'm like, man, uh-huh. this guy's yeah. quick. 
Yep. <laughs> well, I thank you so much. Yeah. And now we're going to head into another segment where our listeners just get to learn a little bit more about you. And so we call it the three and out. And it's the same three questions okay. that we ask all of our list, all of our guests. And um, the first question is, what is the last book that you read? Um, the last book that I read was uh, Crushing, uh, Crushing by uh, T.D. Jakes. Okay. Um, I read that one. And um, one of the biggest things um, that I took away from from that book is that, you know, God doesn't um, cut us um, to, to kill us, but to heal us. Um, I think it's kind of like the difference between um, somebody getting you know, experiencing the blade of a dagger and kind of like an alley, but as an attack, but also experiencing the blade of a scalpel in an operating room. Yeah, you're getting cut in both in both areas, but one of them is meant to heal you. And so I think that's what we have to understand when God breaks us down into a situation to where he's trying to discipline us and he's trying to bring the best out of us. It's not to harm us but it's actually to heal us, man. And so that's mm-hmm. the best thing I took from uh, crushing by TD Jakes. That's awesome. Our yeah. second question. If you're on a long road trip, what are you listening to? Oh man, a long road trip, man. Um, music is kind of like to a lot of people is a big motivation in my life. Um, I'm a real lyrical guy, uh, but I also like, you know, different music with a lot of, you know, 808s, jazz, uh, beats and stuff like that. So um, I would say this, hip hop wise, I'll be listening to uh, Wale or J. Cole or uh, Big Crit. He's a rapper out of, out, of, um, out of Mississippi or one of my closest friends, man. He's an independent artist um, named Chris J. Um, I grew up with him, one of my brothers, um, and he's out in uh, San Diego, California and Los Angeles uh, pursuing um, his career still. So I would say those four guys, uh, hip hop wise, um, Christian hip hop rise, um, Andy Minio swoop swoop is my favorite artist, man. And, um, the whole one, one, six crew, uh, they're amazing. Um, or if I'm on the gospel side of it or, uh, a worship side, I'm listening to Jonathan McReynolds, uh, Ja'Kalen Carr, or um, I'm listening to either the new uh, the, the Kanye West Sunday service choir, which are amazing. Um, listen to a lot of different people, man. Uh, so my, my background in music go way back. So, Mike, if you ride with me in the car on a long road trip, bro, you may hear all types of music, man. <laughs> We're going to do a little of from everything, that, huh? Yeah. Yeah, from the eighties to the to the to the twenty twenties, man. So <laughs> I like yeah. it. I like it. And yep. the last question. If they were to make a movie of your life, who would play you? Man, um if they were to make a movie of my life, who would play me? Um I would say I would say uh Jamie Foxx, man. I would say Jamie Foxx. I would like Jamie Foxx to play me because of his uh, multifaceted um, styles, um, his um, versatility um, to be so humorous, but to be one of the most uh, amazing actors. And then also to be, you know, his background in sports and athletics as well. Uh, I think Jamie Foxx would be a good, uh, a good person to play me. Um, And um, he's one of my favorite uh, actors. 
Um, and I think I think Jamie Foxx would be a good representation of me in, in one of those movies. So, Jamie, if you're listening, man, hey, later on down the line, bro, you know, <laughs> maybe there's a documentary out about myself, man, or a movie, bro. I uh, hope you're still in the acting. Clear uh, your We can make that work. Clear yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Jacques, we we truly appreciate you taking the time to to talk with us and again sharing your story and just letting people get to know a little bit more about you. And so you've given us where they can find Empower University online. If somebody has questions for you, um, what's the best way to reach you? Is it to go through the Empower University website, or are you? On, I, I know you're on social. Are you on social media? Yeah, man. I actually, man, took a 10 year hiatus from uh, social media. Wow. But I felt like, yeah, I, I was off. I got off social media in 2009 and didn't have anything from that point, man. So I'm new to social media in wow. 2019. But yeah, man, it was because it, it, I, I always been a private person, always believe about working behind the scenes and letting your letting your work being shown um, um, in the way that God wants it to be shown. But he also spoke to me this year or last year, 2019, like, man, I want you to be the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. So a light, when it's lit, might is not supposed to be put underneath a bed so you can't see the light. A light is supposed to be put in a place to where people can see the good deeds and so they can praise and honor God. And so when he spoke to me in my heart about that, I was like, look, I'm starting my nonprofit and now I want to be a light in a in a in a dark place that sometimes social media can be um with bullying and cyber bullying and things of that nature and negativity being broadcast so i was like god i'm ready man and so um i started uh my social media journey again in 2019 so you can find me on uh facebook at uh jacques terry that's j-a-c-q-u-i-s-e last name terry t-e-r-r-y and uh but if you have questions for me man hit me up on instagram that's uh, at Jacquees Terry, uh, once again, J-A-C-Q-U-I-S-E, uh, Terry. Um, and then just, you know, shoot me a follow, shoot me, um, a message in, in the, uh, DM, man. And, um, but also if you have any questions about Empower University, um, go on to www.empoweruniversity.net and we'll be, uh, more than happy to share everything about the program and everything that we're doing, um, from this point on. That's awesome. And social media changed a little bit in those 10 years, didn't it? Yeah, man. Definitely changed a lot, man. Changed <laughs> a, a lot, man. Definitely changed a lot. Well, we thank you so much. And uh, we are excited to hear how God continues to use, use you as well as Empower University. And we look forward to hearing those Only God stories. No problem, man. And I don't know if you do it um, normally, but, you know, you blessed us with a, 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 an amazing prayer uh, at the beginning. So I don't know if I can throw a curveball at you, man, and, and just to thank you for everything that you've done, if I can offer a uh, prayer to you, if, that, uh, if, that, if you don't mind. Absolutely. That. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for Mike, man. I just thank you for the FCA representation in Pennsylvania, Father God, in the area that he's in. Lord, I pray that you continue to empower him with inner strength through your spirit, Lord, and that Jesus just continue to flood his heart with light, Father God, Lord, and that he will have the power to understand like all your people should, Father, the lengths, the widths, the depths, and the heights of your love, Father God. I pray that you continue to allow him to know the complete will of you, God, 
Lord, and that you continue to fill him up with supernatural spiritual wisdom and insight and understanding, Father. And the way that he lives his life will always honor and please you, Lord. And that you will co- allow his life, Father, to produce every kind of good fruit. And he will continue to grow as he know you better and better, Father God. I pray for increase in his podcast. I pray for increase in his platform, enlarge his territory, enlarge his capacity, Father God. Use his voice. Use his heart, Father God. Use his faith to touch, change, and affect lives of millions of young student athletes and and fellow Christian athletes across this country, Father God. I pray for his family, Lord. I pray that you surround them and protect them with the blood of Christ, Lord. Lord, blessing their mind, body, soul, spirits, and will, Father. Meeting every need in his family, Father God, in his community, in his church. Blessing him, Father God, from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, Lord. Doing miracles, signs, and wonders. Manifestations of your glory. Just as we said earlier, Father, you say when two agree with anything on this earth, Father. And I know me and Mike is agreeing, Father. And I know the listeners around are agreeing on everything that we just spoke about right now, Father God. We're agreeing, Father God, that you are going to use Mike, Father God, to bring you maximum glory for your kingdom. I pray that he continued to take risks. I pray that he continued to be strengthened and invigorated with all your powers, Father God. Use this mighty man of God for your mighty work in your people, Father God. We thank you and we honor you in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. No problem, man. No problem. Thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate it, man. I, I just want to continue to build a relationship with you and everything that you have going on, man. And, and if any way that I can um, help you out, bro, I definitely, uh, I definitely will, will, will be willing to do that. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Thanks again, Jaquise. We are truly appreciative of you taking the time to just share your testimony with us and guys that was a long podcast but i think it was so good i think he just hit on so many different topics and you really got to see how god worked in his life and how there were ups and there was downs and you know we got to see that jacques thought that when he was prophesied over and that his dreams were going to come true that it meant being a football player but oftentimes our dreams don't look like what we perceive them to be but instead god has hardwired us for a specific calling that sometimes it takes years to reveal to us and so it was just really cool to see how god took jacques through those journeys and through those obstacles and has brought him to where he is today and now you see the impact that he's having him and his team at empower university are having on at-risk youth guys i thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this Again, I encourage you, whatever podcast platform you listen to, if you enjoyed this, if you thought there's somebody out there that might benefit from hearing this, give it a share, uh, like, rate, review, whatever it is that you you do. Um, We'd appreciate it. We'd appreciate it because there's nothing better than hearing those stories. Every now and then I'll get a story that I'll hear of somebody saying, man, I listened to this specific podcast and God really spoke to me through it. That's, That's all that it's about. That's it right there. And so... Guys, we are super excited about our next podcast that will be coming out next week. Hope to talk to you then. Have a great day.